Last thing, can you imagine what this is gonna look like when we do, our, uh, do the conference? We've prayed together, we've ate together, we've ministered in the altar, we've trained leaders, and when we get done, we get to give him this check, and he said, what's this? Uh, this is for you. Can you imagine that moment? I can't wait, by the way, I can't wait for it. Okay, okay. Turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter five. Are you ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Yes. Amen. Mark chapter five, verse 25. Twins update for you. They are hovering. They're not walking, they're hovering. And anything within arm's reach goes in the mouth. Fiberglass, sticks, bugs, tops, electrical outlets, wooden chair rails, Pray for your pastor. That's just, and they're just, they'll crawl to you screaming to get to you. And as soon as you pick them up, they're screaming to get down. And Kelly's so patient with them and I'm reaching for a cigarette. I don't even smoke. And I'm re- <laughs> I don't even smoke. And I'm, I'm just checking my pockets for something. So. so I'll give you this last thing before I preach. Isabel has one speed on and she can't walk yet because she's trying to run. Her legs are going up and down and Olivia's a lot more cautious. So she stands and she says, and she just hovers. She ain't trying to walk. She just hovers. But Isabel stands up, both her feet, and she falls over. So once she starts going, it's going to be like, Kelly, get her. Kelly, get this one over here. Mark 5, 25. If you're there, say amen. amen. There was a woman in the crowd that had suffered for 12 years. Mark it down in your Bible. 12 years with a constant flow or flux, constant bleeding. Most commentators agree this was her menstrual cycle for 12 years. And the Bible says that life is in the blood, so she had been bleeding out for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she'd spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had only gotten worse. She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Just a side note, not in my message, Someone in her life had told her about the glory of Jesus. Someone in her life spoke of Jesus in such terms that she knew her hope could be found in him. What do your friends gather about God through your words and your actions? Do what they hear tune them into Christ or does what they hear turn them away? She'd heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe because she said to herself, if I can but touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, say immediately, the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Who touched me? His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she'd done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace, your suffering was over. It took a lot for her to come through the crowd and touch the one they called Messiah because because of her condition, Levitical law, 
meant that she would have to proclaim herself unclean for 12 years in public. She would walk down the street, unclean, unclean, so people would move out of the way. And not only did she rub shoulders with the crowd, not only did she push her way through, and there's some things you have to push through sometimes to get what you need from God. She pushed through and made her way and touched God. Listen, as filthy as she was, as governed and judged by the law as she was, she just believed within herself that mercy glories over judgment. Look at these common denominators in this passage. Jairus, in this story, this story happened really uh, in between another story where Jairus, a, a synagogue ruler, had come to get Jesus to heal his daughter who was 12 years old and she was dying. So Jairus was losing a daughter, joy and happiness for 12 years, and the woman was about to lose an affliction that brought her 12 years of sorrow. So you got somebody losing 12 years of joy and another losing 12 years of sorrow. Jairus was an important figurehead, well-known. She was not well-known, seemingly insignificant, so much so that her name wasn't recorded in the scripture. Jairus was very wealthy. The Bible tells us that this woman was bankrupt. So why in this, con why would God put this in the same passage and everything was recorded not for historical sake? It was recorded so that you might know God and you might understand how God deals with people. In this one story, he says, from A to Z and everything in between, you find what you need at the feet of Jesus. Whether you are wealthy or dirt poor, whether you are clean or unclean, whether your life is one of sorrow or one of great joy. If you interview people and get the truth, everyone has something they need from God. Some obtain it, some do not. And be careful of books, authors, preachers, teachers, evangelists that give you formulas. God does not operate in formulas, but God honors faith. And just because I have faith doesn't mean he's gonna move right now, but I can promise you this, where there is no faith, he doesn't move. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he'll receive anything from God. That one that says, I believe God will, well, maybe God won't. I believe God listens, maybe God doesn't listen. I believe God cares, maybe God doesn't care. And there are tests to faith. And I've got several here. I won't spend a long time on them because this message it's gonna be certain points in it that'll be applicable to you, probably not all of them, but there's a test of your faith that you, you're passing and there's a test that you're not passing. Now, I'm not saying if you do these things, you get your miracle, but I'm telling you that in this passage, this woman overcame these tests and these obstacles and just took what she needed from God. Now, I'm not gonna build a doctrine out of it. I'm just telling you how it reads. Jesus spun around and said, who touched me? Well, what do you mean who touched you? There's this crowd pulling on you. you say, mm -mm, somebody touched me with faith. I felt virtue, power, dunamis come out of me. And I don't believe he was searching for the person. I believe he wanted them to stand up and say, it was me. It was me. I'm the one that received. And for some of you, you're gonna get the key today that unlocks the door to what you need most. And you're going to find it, not in a formula, but in the word of God. Are you ready? Let's pray together. 
Father, I ask you for the next few moments that you would anoint me to speak your word with clarity and power and with divine unction. Anoint it with your Holy Spirit. Make it come alive. And I pray for the miraculous to follow. Not for miracle's sake. But for the glory of your son, Jesus. I ask it, Lord. Let miracles happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, first test. The test of miraculous faith, if you're taking notes. For you to have miraculous faith, don't think you're going to have it and not have opposition and don't think you're going to have it and not be tested. You will be tested. Number one, the test of identity. And I trust that you bring something to write with the church. I trust that you take it serious enough that you would come, not to write my sermon down, that's not important, but if God's gonna take time to talk to you, surely it's important enough to write it down because you will be tested on it, by the way. Just throw that out there. Number one, the test of identity. It says in verse 25, there was a woman in the crowd, nameless. You gotta cross over these hurdles in your mind, in your story, as others write it. Am I nameless or does God know me? Am I insignificant or am I important? And I, am I invisible or does God see me? Am I alone or is God near? Am I hopeless or is help on the way? I have to know who I am in God before I can learn to live fully in God. I've got to learn how God views me so I can receive from him. If I'm nameless, if I am what the secular humanists teach me, then I'm no different than a cow on the side of the hill that's just born and dies, what right do I have? What approach do I make? But if I've been fearfully and wonderfully made in the womb of my mother by the hand of God, he said, before you were formed, I knew you and I ordained you. That person, that person has to know that they're more than what other people say or leave out about them. My dignity does not come in your approval. My dignity comes in that God knows me and calls me by my name. It's not the status in my community. It's not the neighborhood I live in. It's not the car I drive. It's that he shed his blood for me and he esteems me as valuable and priceless. She had heard that the Messiah, and if he was Messiah, then that's the care of God coming to man. And some of you still, still approach God based on your perception of you and based on what your parents said about you or didn't say or what they say at work. And you've got to get off this treadmill of futility because on our best day, our righteousness is a filthy rag. But it's God's estimation of me. Is it not fair to say, those of you who are in business, you don't give more than what something's worth? If the sticker on the car is 55, now the stickers are 60, 70,000 dollars. Like, I didn't pay that for my first house. My first house didn't cost that. And the sticker's on it, $72,000 with tax, tag, title, dealer preparation. So it was a $72,000. Would you take 84? You don't pay more than what it's worth. And if it's 72, we understand the markup and we try to get somewhere around invoice so the dealer can get his hold back and the salesman can get paid. You don't want to take money. It is a business. They have to be profitable. But you understand that you're not going to pay what something's not worth to you. 
So the guy's wife that wakes him up every morning, he said, good morning, sugar. I want a stainless steel refrigerator. New, H.H. Gregg, side by side, so-and-so cubic feet. And every day he hears that. It don't matter if it's on sale or not. It's worth it to him. <laughs> if he got to sell the dog, we get in the refrigerator because I'm not going to pay more for something than it's worth. You were not redeemed with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the precious blood of the Son of God. So when I come before him, and there is a humility, please understand, there is a humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord, but the other part of that verse is the Lord lifts you up. I don't approach him as a worm. I'm a worm. I'm a worm. No, he delivered me from wormship. I'm not a worm. I am someone that he esteemed worthy of the death of his son. And if you approach him differently than that, lower than that, or with your own works, you'll be turned away. You have to approach him as he is. Messiah, goodwill to men. God coming to solve the solution of my sin. Reason with me. If he would solve the solution of my sin by dying for me, don't you think now he'll freely with that death give me all the other things I need? Could be our approach is wrong. And if your approach is wrong, your landing's wrong. Number two, there's the test of delay. She had had a constant hemorrhage for 12 years. When you're needing something and you wait a long time for it, it can have very negative effects in your heart, your emotions, your perceptions, your perspectives. Delay has a way of distinguishing between head knowledge and heart knowledge. And I don't want you to respond, but have you ever prayed for something and it took a while and then you just quit because it really didn't matter? But when it's something else, delay shows heart knowledge, which means I know that if I stand for my child in the gap, then God will hear me. And it pushes past a mental ascent. It's driven by a soul's awareness of who God is. Delay strips away all other hope and support, forcing you to only look to God. Delay separates the faith-filled and the faithless. But when you wait for something and you pray for something or you suffer with something for a long time, excuse me, if you're not careful, sinkholes can develop. Do you know what, you ever seen those sinkholes? Now with internet and stuff, you see everybody's video of everybody's sinkhole, you know. This, this hole just falls in the middle of a neighborhood and a house falls in it and far down as you can see. I'm not coming up to the lip of it to photograph it, you know, with it expanding on film. But what happens is water comes under the surface and erodes the structure, the ground, the rock sweeps them away. So when the weight of what's on top is greater than the fabric holding it up, it just sinks. Do you know what delay will do? It'll create a sinkhole in your soul because time washes away and you got to get back and put sandbags in there. You have to keep pushing. You can't just be disappointed. And, you know, I've shared with you about waiting on the bus and it doesn't come and it comes for other people. You got to pass this test. The Bible tells you that you'll reap if you don't quit. 
If you don't quit, you'll reap. God will answer. The Bible says through faith and patience. Faith and patience. We inherit the promises. And some of us have been this close to the miraculous hand of God and we quit. And we won't know till we get home. I like to tell this story when the woman reached for his robe. If she would have quit right there, she would have had the same results if she never got up out of her bed and went to the house or went to see him. Same results. And I know what it feels like to wait a long time. There are people in here that are praying for companionship. And they could have got married, but they didn't want to marry a one. They want to marry the one. And there are people in this room that struggle physically. Other people that are carnal or healthy and they struggle physically. Anybody else in here ever prayed all you know to pray? And then you go, what else would you like me to say? What, what do you want me to say to you? How do you want me to ask it? And the only thing I can figure if I keep in my mind that God is too good to be unkind and too wise to make a mistake, that he's doing something in delay that's preparing me for eternity. There's a tenacity of faith that says, I will not let go. I will not quit. I will persevere. And this woman for 12 years had had a constant flow and she didn't quit. She didn't quit and it doesn't tell us if she took the journey with Jesus or not. It implies that she didn't. But if she didn't quit without Jesus, how can you justify you quitting with him? You gotta pass the delay test and listen to me. Let me tell you one of the things I've learned about the Lord. It looks like it, but it's not the same thing. Delay is not denial. You'd swear it was because it doesn't not now look a lot like no. Y'all are so quiet this morning. Y'all are staring at me. Doesn't it look a lot like no? But if you believe, anything's possible to him that believeth. If you get anything out of the gospels, it's, it's this. And Jesus healed all who were sick and all who were possessed with the devil. And then he said, and he did not many mighty works here because of unbelief. You got to pass the test of you being significant and you got to pass the test of delay. Well, it's been two years, four years, six years. And listen, you've heard me preach it a hundred times. There is no whiter flame in the world than waiting on God. But if you can overcome and you can wait, if you can wait, there will be a morning when your alarm clock goes off and you don't know it but it's the one where the angels come to the lip of heaven and God said, this is the day. This is the, watch this. And you just brushing your teeth and you scratching and you doing your clear seal and you don't know, you don't know. But everything lined up and it's the day where the daughter's raised and the blood stops. That's the day. That's the scheduled day. So I wanna be a voice of encouragement. One more day, baby. Just one day at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I wouldn't advise it, but that's how you would do it. So. Number three, there's a test of suffering. It said she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. Things that helped other people, but didn't help her. And in fact, it hurt her. 
Sometimes the best remedies at the time look like foolishness later on. Medical practices back then were horrible. In the Talmud, it's recorded that one of the things they would have her do with her feminine problem is they would dig a ditch and put in a certain type of vines and would burn the vines and have her humiliated, go stand over the ditch and say, be gone with my flux, be gone with humiliated. And all these, you know, at the time, that was the best option available. And I think when we get to heaven and we look at our doctor, and I listen, I thank the Lord for the medical community. I thank the Lord for all they're doing. But in every generation, they thought they were doing the best. Every generation. And we look at what they did to us when we were kids and go, they don't do that no more. You can't buy methylate no more. You, you can't, can't buy it. Close a pothole up in the street. Just put a dab on it. You can't even buy it now. Anyway, that's a different sermon. The best remedies that the world offered were insufficient. Have you ever tried to get the world to help you with your greatest need and it was just foolishness? Continued suffering often raises serious questions. Is God angry with me? Am I being judged? You remember they came to Jesus, who's born, why is he born blind? Is this the mama's fault or the parent's fault or his fault? He said, neither. Why is this person healthy? And I'm constantly battling with this. If God is near, what is taking him so long? God rarely answers the question, why, except in the case of your sin and rebellion. And I've learned that when I'm asking the question, why, God's asking the question, who? I've learned that when I'm asking the question of why, God is answering the, asking the question of who. Who am I, John? Well, you're the Lord God Almighty. Where do I reside? In heaven. Who are you? I'm your son. I'm your beloved. I'm the apple of your eye. And if you can answer who, it gives you strength to continue through the why. Over time, suffering can work its way into your thoughts, your emotions, your mind, your attitudes, and your words. You hear me often speak of my earthly father who suffered horribly with cancer. And he was a genteel man, but as, as he got worse and worse, he would snap at my mother and snap at us. And he didn't want to, but it's like, you know, you beat on a dog over and over and over, he's gonna snap at you. And some of you today are frustrated because the suffering has changed you in a way. Hear your pastor. I'm not making light. I know what it's like to hurt relationally, emotionally, mentally, and physically. And there are people that would look at mine and go, I'll swap you today. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's all relative, but I'm, I'm giving you this as a truth. Suffering will either create a sweetness in you or a meanness in you. And everybody suffers. That person beside you that think you think they got it made, everybody in this room suffers with something. And depending upon where they are in their life, some worse than others. But when the deal's done and everybody lives their life out, you probably wouldn't swap with anybody. Are you passing the suffering test? Which means delay, feelings of insignificance, and I've suffered at the hands, listen, of many people. But I am going to meet with God. 
and I am going to find what I need regardless of what they've done and regardless of how insufficient their efforts have been. That has nothing to do with the fact that my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think. And I don't know who that line was for, it's not in my notes, but it said they had suffered at the hands of many people. And if you've suffered at the hands of many people, God probably wants you to feel the healing touch of his hand on your life. Number four, the test of depletion. She had spent everything she had to pay them, verse 26 says. She had spent how much? So the equity in her home, gone. Camels, gone. Jewelry, gone. She had been depleted back to nothing. And I just wanna remind you to be grateful for the simple things. There are people that live in five and 6,000 square foot palaces that can't eat and can't sleep and they'd give everything they have just to be able to wake up like you wake up. To be wealthy like you are. If you're in your right mind and you're loved and you're able to get along, you are wealthy. But she had spent everything she had only to get worse. Doing the right thing, but getting worse. Doing all she knew to do, but getting worse. Sometimes, sometimes, God has to empty you all the way out so he can remake you. I know people that I visited in jail that looked me in the face, talking through the plexiglass on the phone and said, it's the best thing ever happened to me in my life. Look you straight in the face, best thing that ever happened to me. I've got a friend of mine that went through cancer and said, best thing that ever happened to me. Best thing that ever happened. How can you say that? Because it changed me. I've had no wealthy people, wealthy. I don't mean thousand a week. I mean wealthy, lost it all. Best thing ever happened to me. How can you say those things? Because faith will see what other people can't see. And she said, it, look at her story. It wasn't until I lost everything that Jesus was an option for me. And some of us, Jesus is on the peripheral, but he's not the first choice. And sometimes God, and you might think our carnal nature would rise up and say, well, he don't have to take everything to do it. Well, that right there shows you, you got some stuff that needs to come out of there. Oh, I hit something then, didn't I? She did not confuse her self-worth with her net worth. And she knew she could not buy what she needed and what she needed was not for sale. She would have to come to God with nothing to offer except her need. Down to nothing. Sometimes it's down to nothing where God does his best works. Bottom of the barrel. You said, I, I ain't got nowhere to go. I'm, I'm at rock bottom. Rock bottom is very encouraging. And anybody besides me ever, rock bottom, when you free fall and you hit, and you go, okay. Because you know from then on, if there's any moving, it's going to be up. If we moving from here, it's got to be up. I don't know who that was for, but I'll throw it like a Frisbee out there. It's just, it's just good news. There's the test of disappointment. She had not gotten better, only worse. Disappointment is what we experience when our current reality does not reach what we had hoped for, planned on, or believed would happen. In her case, she had only gotten worse. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Let me tell you how I'm wired. 
I can, I can handle accusation and slander better than I can disappointment. I, I'd rather you cuss me than disappoint me. Just cuss me and, oh, I've had them do it and spit run all out their mouth and run down your face and just cuss you and you this. I had one person tell me I was the whore of Babylon. No, I was a pastor. I was the pastor of the whore of Babylon. I'm like, dang, that's a big church. <laughs> you give me way too much credit. That's a large church. Just cuss and just those kind of things. And maybe some of you are wired like me. That don't bother me as bad. Now you cuss my wife, it's on then. Somebody's leaving skin up. Just thought I'd throw that out there to you. My wife and my babies, it's, it's on. But I can handle that, but disappointment, which means I've made an appointment with you or with someone else for this to happen. And for 12 years, she had made appointment with doctors and friends and family, and she had only gotten worse. Disappointment for me is like a kryptonite. When, when people fail me, I, first of all, I know I fail them. So I'm not, I'm not being judgmental. I'm, I'm as backward as anybody in my life. But there's something about it when they don't come through for me. It's like, does this sound too dramatic? It's like a part of my soul dies. It's like you don't make the appointment, and you don't make the appointment, and you don't make the appointment. And John the Baptist, here's a man that announced Messiah. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I'm unworthy to tie. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's Jesus. That's Messiah right there. Well, Jesus' ministry grows. His decreases. He had thousands coming to hear him, and now he doesn't have many. And he says, well, he must increase. I must decrease. And then we find him in a prison cell by himself, and his disciples come to, to visit him, John the Baptist. They put their hands on the little bars, and they go, Hey, John, how you doing, man? I'm not doing real well. How you doing? Well, uh, just thought we'd check on you. They said we can't give you nothing. So uh, anything new happening? Does it look like anything new is happening? Uh, no. Uh, well, all right, man. I guess, I guess we'll see you later. And John puts his face up to the bars and he said, Hey, go ask Jesus, is he really the Messiah or should we look for another? What? The one you pointed out and said, there's the Lamb of God. Now you're not even sure. Listen to your pastor. Disappointment can take the greatest of men and reduce them to mush. Because he did not make an appointment for this. He didn't plan on this. He thought he and Jesus were going to ride off into the sunset. And he had already planned out in his mind how it would happen. What do you do when it doesn't play out like you thought it would happen? So Jesus' disciples, John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and he said, hey guys, hey, how's John doing? Uh, not so good. Anything to me? Yeah, John the Baptist said to ask you, are you really Messiah? Or should we look for another? You go tell John the Baptist the things that you see, how the deaf hear and the lame walk, and the, or the, the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and the poor have the gospel preached to them and tell John, blessed is the man that's not offended in me. Now watch. Then he turned to the crowd and he said, so what'd you go out to see? A reed shaking in the wind or a, a, a king in a fine robe? I tell you the truth, John the Baptist, greater hath never been born a man of woman than this man. 
Jesus said in the history of the world, catch this, there's never been a greater man born of woman than that man. Moses, Elijah, Samuel, King David. He goes, that is the greatest man that's ever been born. So here's what I submit to you. If disappointment can wash his faith away, what can it do to you? He didn't know if he's Jesus or not. And some of us today are incapable of receiving from God because our disappointment has washed and diluted our faith to where it doesn't exist. And you need to hear in your soul, blessed is the one that's not offended in me. You just take what happens, the cards dealt, and I don't mean this case, sirrah, sirrah, whatever, but that part of your soul that says, I will trust the Lord at all times, even when I can't see, and we've all experienced disappointment. You gotta pass this test. Because if you don't pass this one, you'll probably die here. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You've heard me tell this story when Kelly and I were uh, friends. I was battling depression during the hardest time of my life. And her and Mama Sheila and Stacy Jordan and others were always a constant source of encouragement. And I would just, just, at least I knew enough to get the poison out. Some people just, how you doing? Fine. And it's just pouring out of their pores, you know. I would just throw up all over them. Like, How you doing? Blah! Like, I feel so much better. And they're like, we're glad you do. Thank you very much. But I would just pour all this disappointment out. And the scripture says it. Don't ever get somebody that knows Bible in a bad mood because they'll quote Bible and just, it's bad, it's bad. I said, the scripture says it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's why my heart's sick. Hope deferred. I hope, I hope, I hope. Disappointment, disappointment. That's why I am the way I am. And very meekly, Kelly said, Kelly McCory at that time, she goes, how come you don't quote the other half of the verse? I'm the bishop. I don't even know what you're talking about. What, what other, there ain't no other half of the verse. Mm -hmm. Just very meek. I said, there ain't no other half of the verse. Might we go to the scripture? I'm like, absolutely. So you can see how wrong you are, you know? So... <laughs> We go to the Bible, choose you. I find it real quick because I know where it's at. How about that? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it's a tree of life. So my friend, for Christmas of that year, and she wasn't rubbing salt in the wound, she was pouring oil in my soul, went across town and took pictures of all these different trees during the seasons. And there was a tree with full leaves, there was a tree with no leaves. There was a healthy tree and there was a sick tree. And it said, but when desire cometh, it's a tree of life. And some of you today, your soul is sick because your hope is deferred. And that's okay if you put a comma there. You put a comma there and you say to yourself, my soul may not be well today, but I swear to you, joy is coming in the morning. I swear to you, joy is coming in the morning. The test of disappointment, the test of obstacles. She came up behind him, working her way through the crowd. Look at the obstacles this woman had. She has been, she has had a flow of blood for 12 years. She's anemic, no iron, no strength, and she's pushing through a crowd that a grown man couldn't get through. I submit to you, she's probably on the ground going between their legs. And sometimes for you to receive what you need from God, you have to push through some stuff 
You have to push through some people. You have to have a tenacity in your own soul that endures and perseveres. It's not only enough to be like Jairus, to believe God cares enough to help, but you gotta be like this woman that does what you have to do to get to where you have to go to get what you have to have. Obstacles. I'm not important enough. Check, she covered that. Obstacles. He's busy helping someone else, J. Iris. I shouldn't bother him. Check through that one. Nothing has worked so far, so what makes me think I should try again? Go through that obstacle. It's not right to come to Jesus as my last resort. Have you thought about this? She's coming to someone she's ignored for 12 years. She hadn't talked, there's no it, uh, history of her talking to Yahweh, no history of her believing. She just heard through someone else that Jesus was coming. And some of us, because of a, the guilt of our godless past, you gotta go through that obstacle too. Said, I'm not coming to you based on who I am. I'm coming to you based on who you are. And she pressed through. Overcoming obstacles sets your desires like concrete. It creates tenacity, endurance, and strength. Obstacles are the gift of God to you. They exercise your spiritual muscles. And is there anybody can say honestly, there are some things today that are in your way that you push out of the way that used to beat you to death back there. It keep you back. You're stronger today. What we were singing earlier, stronger, wiser. I like what C.H. Spurgeon said about endurance. I love reading his sermons from the 1800s. He said, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. So God gives the command, two by two, let's go. Rhinoceros, elephant, ostrich, giraffe. What are we waiting on? You know, there's two of them. <laughs> Do y'all ever think like this? Just birds flying around in the ark and they're like, what's taking them so long? I think the Lord helped them. He probably transported them a little bit. But By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. And how many dog lovers in here? Anybody like boxer bulldogs or, or bulldogs? Did you know the nose of a bulldog is slanted backwards so that he can breathe without letting go? Sometimes you gotta have tenacity where you bite onto something that some insignificant preacher preaches on a Sunday morning. You go, that's truth for me. And you bite and you hold on and say, I will not let go of that word. This is a test. This is a test of the emergency broadcasting system. In the case of a real emergency, I'd have been notified where to go and what to do. I'm not letting go. And the wind will blow so hard, it'll pick you up off the ground. But a nose of a bulldog is slanted backwards so he can breathe without letting go. May God grant you bulldog faith. May God grant you that tenacity. The test of weakness. I'm almost done. Bear with me. She came up behind him through the crowd. She. Who? The woman that has been depleted of life. Who has had life flow out of her for 12 years. The disappointed woman. The disillusioned woman. The de depleted woman. The, the uh, uh, rejected, alienated woman. The anemic woman. She came up behind him through the crowd. And some of you are trying to get strong before you get your miracle and you may have to get your miracle absolutely weak. She was weak yet moving forward. Weak yet looking upward. Weak yet confident. Weak yet pushing herself. Weak yet determined. Weak with no signs of self-pity. Let me say that again. Weak but with no signs of self-pity. Weak and without support. 
by herself. Where's her husband? Where's her mom? Where's her dad? Where's her friends? All you need to receive from God is in your spirit. Weak yet getting closer and weak yet this close to her miracle. Then there's the mental test. She thought, she said to herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Every battle of your faith is won or lost in what you say to yourself. You, listen, I can, I can quit right now. I've preached. She said to herself, if I just rub up against God, I'm good. If I just, I ain't even got to touch him. If I touch something that's touched him, I'm good. What are you saying to yourself today? Whatever you are saying to yourself today is the most accurate prophecy of your future that's available. What are you saying today about your family, your marriage, your body, your future, your past? What you say to yourself, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's the prophecy of your tomorrow. Well, I don't believe y'all to lie about it. I didn't say you, she's not supposed to say, I'm not sick. What she said was on top of her reality. If I just touch him, if God comes on this scene, I will be healed. And no one can answer what you're saying to yourself, but you. After all she'd experienced, after all she'd lost, after all her disappointment, she still had a mind and a voice that said God was going to meet her need. She put if on her side of the situation and put will on God's side of the situation. Watch this. If I can do my part, then God will do his part. Isn't that rich? The if ain't on God's side. Jesus, if you will, you could make me clean. I am willing. What do you mean if I will? It's my plan for you. She was able to speak this way because she thought this way. How are you thinking about your current situation? And hear this in love. It won't happen differently than that. So John, you're saying mental visualization. You picture it. You say it and it happens. No, no, no. That's secular. That's earthly. Borders on mysticism. I'm saying that if my slant and my reach and my eyes are toward God and I'm telling him what I believe about him and my value to me, that creates a channel for the miracle working power of God. That itself, I don't create it with my thoughts, but God reads my thoughts. And he's not going to reinforce unbelief in me through answering a prayer through unbelief because I'll become an unbeliever. If our musician would come, please. And then finally, there was the vulnerability test. Verse 27. She had said to herself, if, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. So she came through the crowd I don't know if she was on, to touch the hem of his garment, she had to be on the ground, right? So she's crawling through all of their, their legs. There are people there that recognized her as the unclean woman, guaranteed. 
And there was a moment, oh, I'd love to see it on video when we get to heaven. Reaching between noble people's legs and rulers of synagogues and maybe, it, maybe even the disciples. Maybe it was John the Revelator, Simon Peter, and her little arm comes up and hits one of their legs and hits another one. And she touched it. And virtue hit her like a lightning bolt. But she reached out in the place of such vulnerability that if this didn't work, she didn't have nothing else. And some of us are more afraid of disappointment than we are of anything else and it is what holds us prisoner. You can't follow God and not be vulnerable. Simon, come! And he stepped out of the boat on one word and walked on the water, vulnerable. Jesus to the people at the wedding in Cana, fill the water pots with water. So they did to the brim, vulnerable. Elijah to the widow at Zarephath, uh, hey sister, greetings in the Lord. No greetings here. My son and I are about to die. I'm just gathering sticks to make one more meal and then we're going to die. And he says, make me a cake first. What? Just make me one first. He stood for a prophet of the voice of God. Make God one first. And the very last meal, so they're starving to death. She takes the meal with her little boy reaching out for it and gives it to the man of God. And he eats this whole cake in front of her. And I just feel in my spirit, God wants to see if we'll give him the last thing. More important than anything else in the world. And when that man of God got done with his cake, he goes, because you've not withheld this thing from the Lord, <laughs> your barrel is not going to run dry and the oil's not going to stop flowing. People around her dying like flies and her family was good until the famine was over. But you got to be vulnerable. You got to be vulnerable. And she reached out, touched it, and she felt God's power hit her. She felt it. And Jesus said, who touched me? What do you mean who touched you? No, someone received. I could feel it. So here's the woman getting up off the ground. Her tunic, her dress, if you will, is covered in mud and stain. Her face, where the sweat was, the mud is stuck to it. And this woman who has had a flow from her private for 12 years stood up in front of this crowd of religious people. She said, it was me. All these people that knew all the scriptures, that knew all the songs, that had all the perfect attendance, hadn't gotten anything. She said, it was me. And he said, daughter, look at this, not girl. He said, I'm not even going to call you by your earthly name. You got a better name than that. Daughter, your faith not just healed your body. You're whole. You're well. I can imagine if I were her, I'm looking at the priest and everybody which you had to check in with all the time and get your new unclean label. Talk to y'all later. Talk to you 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 later. She goes home. Her husband sees her come in the door. What? I'm fine. Gather everybody around. I want to tell them about what the Lord did for me. 
And I had to come along. She didn't take credit. I had to come a long way past depletion, past anonymity, past disappointment, past the things that I've suffered, the things that they've said. There were obstacles. But I told myself that if I didn't quit, God would be glorified in my life. And I don't know who you are and who I'm preaching to, but today's the turning day. I'm not saying that the lightning bolt is going to hit you today. I'm telling you today you can respond and say, not one obstacle. All I can do is pass the test and wait and see what God's going to do. And I submit to you, if God would do it for a person with no name, wouldn't he do it for someone that already related to him? If that's you, I want you to come find a place to pray this morning. Those that are needing that miracle, I invite you to come. There's something that only God can do for you. Maybe it's for a spouse. Maybe it's for a child. Chad, are you here? Do you have your iPhone with you? Do you have that song, God is Able? Would you take it back there and play that for us? Praise God. Those in the altar, tell him, you're my only hope. You're my first hope and I look to you. I want those that are filled with faith. If you struggle with doubt, today's not your day to help. You believe, come stand with them. Girl with a girl, guy with a guy, put your arm on. I'm standing with you today. Absolutely. 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 God does care. God does listen. God will help. God is able. We've got several over here that need to be prayed with. Come on, guys. Come pray with them. Nobody alone in this altar. I have a lady here. I have a lady here that needs somebody to pray with her, please. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. You have enough faith in you today to move the heart of God. Saints praying all over this building, would you? Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord.
Glory to the Lord. With no one looking around, if you're in the sanctuary and you're just away from God, you're just backslid. This wasn't even geared to you, but you sense the Lord's spirit. It's time to come home. This wants you to make your way. Get up. You don't need to pause. You know the Lord's voice. You know where you're supposed to be, and you're coming back home. If that's you, come on. Anybody here? Hey, Chad, that's okay, buddy. That's okay. Church family, while they pray, would you just stand with us? Would you offer your own prayers again this morning with faith? The things that are heavy on your heart, the things you're believing God to do. Those in the altar, if you will, just stay here and I'm gonna speak to you a moment right before we close. those in the altar, I challenge you to go home today and look at this whole chapter, Mark chapter five. So Jairus comes to get Jesus and says, will you come home and heal my daughter? She's dying. He says, sure. And on the way, this woman received her miracle and his daughter and Jairus' daughter died. So she got a miracle. Hers was instantaneous and she died. And Jesus turned to him, same chapter said, only believe, only believe. And he got home and put all the people out of the house except for the mama and the daddy and James and John and Peter. And he spoke over this little dead girl. He said, Talitha Kumi. And she stood up. He said, get her something to eat. She's hungry. Just that easy. Don't mistake the process as God's frown. The process makes you. Can you imagine, last thing I want to tell you, can you imagine this woman preaching this message? She said, see, you talk about me getting healed. That wasn't the biggest change. You should have seen how strong I was in faith for everybody else after that. I said, don't you quit? Well, it's been three, three years. I did 12 years. Don't you quit? And God's given you a story. I made it through some things, people. I made it through, out, and over and landed on this side. Scarred? Yes better better and God's not forgotten you and God's not lost you last thing I keep saying last thing I just had preaching me today she touched a tassel you touch the Lord Father I just thank you today for the power of your word 
I thank you, Lord, that not only are miracles still available, but you're available. And in your hand, it is power and might. And in your hand, you give strength unto all. Therefore, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Be strong in this church, O oh Lord. Flex your muscles. Show the devil who's boss. Rule in this house and super rule, God, I pray. Be sovereign over us. And I thank you for the miracles to come. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone that's in agreement, say amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.